Well, on the way um, back from uh, Israel uh, this uh, Thursday morning, uh, I was in Los Angeles, and we flew through the night. We left at 1 o'clock Israel time. We landed at about 6 o'clock L.A. time. So, uh, so that showed us a five-hour uh, flight, but it was actually had the 10 hours difference. It was 15-hour flight. So I had time in the L.A. airport, and so I was able to attend last Sunday service this Thursday in L.A. And I watched Natalie speak on, on the values and the things that are very much our values as a church, and they're God's values. And so uh, we are getting people acquainted with these four terms that are so important for your walk with God. One, you need to know God. Okay? How many think we need to know God and not fake like we do? Okay, I think when we come to, to, to church, we come together, we need to be real. Just keep it real. Okay, can I tell you how spiritual I am? Not a bit more than I am and not a bit less than I am. I am what I am and so are you. And if you can accept me and I can accept you, then the key is we want you and me to know God. I understand that if the, if the pastor's actually born again, there's 30% improvement in the church. Uh, know God, which is going to be the subject for today. The second thing is to uh, find freedom. God does not want Christians running around coping he wants us conquering. How many of you know Jesus conquered death? He conquered the grave. He didn't cope with death. He didn't cope with the grave. When you and I need to find freedom, and we believe that we find freedom when we find groups. When we get together and we're transparent, we can actually grow. If we're just trying to do like the Jesus joy popper thing and like fake our spirituality and, and sigh when we talk, that's not real Christianity. Real Christianity is messy. It's people that are, that, are, that are all smack full of problems getting together and saying, hey, I'm a screwed up mess. And the other person said, me too, good. Let's grow together. Let's love God. Let's find freedom together. Don't come in this place thinking you need to, to pretend you're holy. Okay? You don't need to pretend. God wants to make you holy. It's a gift that he'll freely give you. But we need to be the most real finding freedom group of people in this city. Know God. Find freedom. Third thing is discover your purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose, if money is the only thing you've pursued, you're probably not very happy. Because one thing I found, and there have been times I've made good money, there have been times I thought we were getting rich, and then there were times when I was playing the options market, I knew we weren't. My money was going on vacation. How many of you have ever had good money, and how many of you have ever had bad money? <laughs> bad money usually uh, wins the day. You know, yeah, we've had bad money. Money's not enough to satisfy you. Well, I just want a job where I make a lot of money, and I just want a, this or that. No, you need to find purpose in life, and your purpose is going to be found in Jesus. That's what really gets you up in the morning, is when you know that you're in the will of God, and you're giving to the Lord the gifts and things that he's given you and equipped you to do, and they're different. Like, like I, I've been mentioning our, our good buddy here, Don Terseff. Don's been serving for over 30 years in a children's ministry. Now, for me, if, if, if Pastor Kim says, I need you to serve in the children's ministry, I go, 
can do this. And Don's going, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's salivating. He's into it. Finding your purpose. For me, if I find out there's a missionary melting down, I don't care what town, what nation, Albania, Russia, South America, put me on a plane. I'll go into this massive conflict and screwed up mess, and I can spend days helping them untangle it and come back refreshed because that's part of the gifting that God's given me to, to do. We find our purpose in the Lord, the third thing. And then the fourth thing is go make a difference. It's one thing to find out what you're good at and what God could use and then not let him use it. How many of you know we need to, to make a difference? And so we're looking at these themes, and today we're going to be talking about knowing God. Now, uh, Gino pointed out that I, I started last service, said, I want to tell you my favorite story, and then I talked about a jihadi. So I'm going to talk about a jihadi. There you are, Don. Why aren't you with the children right now? <laughs> Not your turn? Are you kind of like just fidgeting and like, just trying to stay awake right now, Don? Stop it, Don. Get a better attitude. Okay. Come to Joy. We're really, we're really, you know, equal opportunity abuser. Your name may be called at any moment, whenever. This was a literal story that there are people in Palestine and other places that think that America is the great Satan, Israel is the small Satan, and their, their goal in life is to kill the infidels. So one young man strapped himself with shrapnel, you know, explosives and nails and, and bits of metal and stuff, and he, he slipped through the, 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 the uh, guard posts and things, and they've since then intensified security. And he rode the, the public bus back and forth until the bus stopped in front of a little uh, J Jewish school with Jewish kids, blew himself up, and blew and killed a number of kids. Now, a lot of people say, wow, I don't understand doing that, and you shouldn't understand it. But I want you to know that sometimes people are sincere, and they're sincerely wrong. That, that there, there was a situation, a, a doctor's wife, uh, an Islamic guy, his wife put, and his wife and the children went on board in Lockerbie, they, they, they had explosives. Now, here's a physician making great money in, in, in the UK, why would a mom get on board a, a plane to blow it up? Because if you've been taught that the only guaranteed way you're going to go to paradise is to die in jihad, then that wanting to know God, that wanting to go to heaven and wanting your baby safely there would cause you to be willing to kill them to do it. Faith. We're going to talk about knowing God. A lot of times people want to impress me with how spiritual they are. Humans are made to be spiritual. We are going to reach out to some form of a solical or spiritual being. We're going to get caught up with, with either the true God or some form of idolatry. And it's possible that you can think you're knowing God and you're actually going far, far away from him. And so we look at this and we say, wow, that was really crazy that that happened among, you know, that that's current history. But if we look at one of the pillars of our faith, the Apostle Saul, the Apostle Saul, or the Apostle Paul, who started out with the name Saul, and it was changed with time to Paul, but he was essentially a terrorist, 
I want to read a little bit about his conversion and just how that he thought he knew God, but he knew about God, but he didn't know God and he met God on a road while he was in pursuit to round up Christians to kill him. In Acts chapter 1, Then Saul, excuse me, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I wrote these observations here. Paul was following the Jewish faith as he knew it. He was devoted, committed, and invested in serving Jehovah God, who was known to be a holy God, who demanded respect and adherence to his laws. In white-hot fervor, he was going after these followers of this heretical rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth. These followers claimed that he was the son of God and had risen from the grave and that believing in him was the sacrifice for sin that eliminated the need for the various yearly sacrifices and the order, the order. How can we exist without the strict order of washings and ceremonial things that we do to let God know we're serving him? And suddenly it comes to this. Paul is on his way to Damascus to round up some more of, this, of, of, this, of these heretics who had seemed to abandon the Jewish faith. Wham! He's knocked to the ground and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? It was a very Jewish thing to do. He was used to the commandments, the mitzvahs, the sacraments. Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Think about this. The apostle Paul according to history, had been a part of the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin. He was considered to be one of the chief guys of the Sanhedrin without being the high priest, but he was very learned, very scholarly. And he was zealously going after people that quit the church. Aren't you glad we don't do this? <laughs> you left Joy Church? Saul's going to come visit you. <laughs> Yikes. He's going after these people. Because, see, he 
thought he knew God, but he knew about God. And the whole faith had drifted from a personal relationship with Jehovah God to it became very, very uh, sacramental, very creedal, and very intellectual and ritualistic. And Jesus fought with it. Jesus all the time said, you know, you're more concerned about washing your hands, but you don't wash the inside of your heart. You're more concerned about me healing a, a, a lame man on the Sabbath, yet you'll go pull an, a, 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 an ox or a donkey out of a ditch. Jesus fought against that formality. And here's Paul. He's knocked to the ground, and when he hears this voice, he knows immediately this is God. Think about the shock he must have felt to know. I finally heard God. And he asks him, who are you, Lord? The word Lord in Greek here is kurios. That would be like master, supreme ruler. No Jew would have called an angel kurios. Paul knew this is God who knocked me down and he's asking me why I'm persecuting him. And he said, who are you, Lord? And this is a proof of the deity of Jesus. God, the one true God, who we know as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, his bodily expression is the Son. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Jesus equals God. Come on now, can we get excited as a Christian congregation? Jesus is God. Because different groups will try to make Jesus Michael the archangel, or Jesus was just the sacrifice. But you can fight with people through the gospels about the divinity of Jesus Christ using this and, and, and the epistles. But I'll tell you what, like that song, Mama said, knock you out. You take him into Revelation 1 and you find out that this guy who was the one who was and is and is forevermore, this Jesus stands up in front of, of the world and, he's, and he looks like a rocker that put his fingers in his socket because his hair's white, his, his eyes are red and he's got the voices, the sound of many thunders and his waist is covered with fire and he says, I am the Alpha, I'm the Omega, I'm it, I'm the start and I'm the finish of all things. Come on now. That's who you and I got a chance to meet. That's who Paul got a chance to meet. And I want to tell you something. I'm already into preaching and I'm supposed to be teaching. But there's something that goes beyond just mouthing a few words in church. We need to see the living God. We need to be transformed by the living God. And we need to ask ourselves, Jesus, who are you to me? And like Thomas, who had some doubts, but when Jesus said, put your hand in my side, Thomas, put your hands in my scars, Thomas, and Thomas said, my Lord and my God, literally in the Greek, he's saying, the God of me and the Lord of me. I'm moved by this. I'm moved by the shock that the apostle Paul must have felt Saul that he found out that he was moving on the information he had and he was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. 
Many people today, even Christians, I'll hear them say, well, all that matters is that you're sincere. Eh, try again. There's a better answer. It's better to know the truth even if you're fighting and battling hypocrisy th rather than to be the most sincere person that's spinning a Tibet prayer wheel or the most devouted Hindu that's taking dead people's bones and making your face wa uh, white from them and chanting or like many young people I found in the 70s they were chanting the name of God Hare Krishna Hare Rama 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 Krishna 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 Rama Hare Krishna's and they were dancing they were just as sincere as I was as a Bible college student but they were sincerely wrong let me just tell you something when you get a chance to to clasp onto the truth and God manifests himself to you do not sell that do not put Jesus back on the shelf with other gods there is no other he is the only true God and the only name under heaven whereby men must be saved oh dear he had too many donuts I can sense it from this point on here was this good Jewish boy and he realized, I didn't even know God, and now I know it's Jesus. Talk about a beautiful spirit. I surrender. Not, you know, I put a lot of money into this persecuting. You know, I got a lot of education. And the boys down at the Sanhedrin aren't going to like that I joined the people I came to snuff. And he's told, wait here, and I'm going to talk to you. He was taken to the city of Damascus, and then... Think about this poor little-known disciple by the name of Ananias told, you've got to go prophesy to Paul. No, I went to dream team training, and that's not my gift. <laughs> no, I'm just not feeling led. <laughs> I wouldn't feel led. But, he, but the Lord said, behold, he prays. And he knew something had happened. And when he walked in, he delivered the word of the Lord. Paul's eyes were open, and, and baby, it was on. Within days, he was preaching Jesus. From this point on, Paul began to know God personally and intimately. Paul left trying to know about God to actually knowing God and learning from him. We were made for this moment. You say, what moment? The moment to really embrace the fact that we were created to know God. To know Him. Not just know about Him. Not just have answers. Not just be able to pass a survey if someone says, if you died tonight, why would you uh, go to heaven? Well, because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Unsaved people can quote that. But only born again people can say, I have met God and I am transformed. My life is changed and sin and darkness and the way of the world is like a bad date. I'm done with that bad chick. I am done. Or that bad dude. I'm done. You guys are looking at me like I'm an anomaly, like a dinosaur coming. Jurassic preacher. Oh God, the raptor's going to come into the car. I really did get rested up in Israel, I think. Okay. You were created to know God. Jesus said in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Let me just say this. 
there's a cycle that we go through. And, 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 and it's acknowledged in the book of 1 John. It said, I write to you, little children, for you've known the Father. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who's from the beginning. Which is interesting because the word to the children and the word of the fathers is nearly the same. What we've received when God pulled us in and said, I love you. I love you, Don. How much? He'd rather die than live without you. To know that you're loved of God. To know that you're known of God. To know that all the big religious hustle, muscle, all will give way when you grow up. And all you want to do is go home. Pastor Steve, have you subdued some giants? Yeah. I've got scars to prove some battles. But you know what I really want to do? I want to hang with the Father. This is eternal life. Well, what about the dreams and visions that God's given you? He's doing it. He's doing a great job. And I'm cooperating. But really, we're not like the big bad wolf. We're going to huff and puff and blow the house down. We're believers. Our life is built by God. We cooperate it, but we're not self-made men and women. We're God-made men and women. And we, and we can enter into eternal life quality of living right now. Watch this. Read my lips. Hear my words. Today, the 22nd of September, you can get what you're going to get then. You can have eternal life quality when you quit striving and actually know he's coming after me. He wanted to know me. And to know the Father and know the Son, to walk with the Holy Spirit, that is eternal life quality. That's where it's fun. It's fun every day. Come on now. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. <laughs> An example would be a car running out of gas. If some of you young people are saying, haven't we heard this before? Yeah, Johnny preached it. I took his notes. I stole them and I'm using them today. <laughs> Think about a car that doesn't have gas in it. Well, you can listen to the radio for a while till the battery goes dead, but you really aren't moving anywhere. And that's, that's the sadness of the human existence without God. We were made to house God and to know God. That's why, why Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so when we become born again, the Spirit of God takes residence within our flesh, our body. And I, I don't believe you're a complete person if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about being a born-again believer. I'm talking about having asked Jesus to save you and, and, and open yourself up to the work of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is another issue. We'll do that, deal with that another day. Because many people that don't speak in tongues are full of the Holy Spirit. Right? But, but here's the statement I am making, that you're not complete if you don't have the Spirit of God in you. You're like a person that's trying to navigate and, 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 and it's, you're, you're not calibrating right. Because you're made to house the Holy Spirit. God's desire is to know you, not just to know about you. 
Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. <laughs> I, can feel, I can feel you listening. I can feel you hearing. You're drawn. I ponder how I could have ever existed without coming to God. How many of you that have come to the Lord felt like it was going to be inevitable anyway? You'd have never been satisfied with eating the garbage of the world. A bad buffet. For me, it was an epiphany like that. Grew up in church, and when I was 16 years old, by about a month, I went into my room one day, and the Holy Spirit just kind of started talking to me about following him, the great adventure. He literally told me, I want to take you on a great adventure. And I remember just feeling a sense of, even though I was a church kid, of being unclean. And I just said, Lord, I, if you'll give me strength to, to walk with you one day at a time, I'll walk with you. And he said, fine. <laughs> and that's been our contract. And, and I went crazy from then on. I just, you know, suddenly... All the veil, all the religion was off my eyes, and I was able to know Father God and know Jesus, walk and work with the Holy Spirit. You are being drawn by cords of loving kindness. Didn't that sound good? Could you say the word with me? Loving kindness. Kindness. David understood the care that God puts into people in Psalm 139, verses 13 and following. He says, For you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Some of us look at a mirror and go, Marvelous are the works today. Other days go, Oh gosh, the devil must have attacked my face. Okay. And that my soul knows very well. I shouldn't have messed up with the scripture. Sorry, guys. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I, am, when I awake, I am still with you. Wow. Think about the thoughts of God towards us. Now, in, in the Schmelzer family here locally, you know, Wesley, like, he, he was born July 26, um, you know, last year. And, 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 and Wesley really pretty much runs the church now. He, uh, it takes a village to raise that child is really true, you know. And, 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 and I think about all the thoughts. I think I'm thinking more about Wesley than he is about me. Until I'm there, and I, uh, 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 and it points to whatever he wants me to fetch, okay. <laughs> but looking at Wesley, I don't want him to stay a baby. I'm thinking in terms of, okay, he's progressing well. He's starting to get ready to walk. He's definitely getting his molars. Think about cutting teeth, you know, a, a blunt object being shoved through your gums. I mean, how many of you say, yeah, thank you, it's babies and not us? For us, just getting our teeth pulled in, getting in a new rack of teeth. But anyway, 
We have thoughts towards children. We have plans for them. So does God for us. Now, there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. In the Greek and Hebrew, the terms for know actually uh, correspond with the words for sexual intimacy. In, 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 in marriage, sexual intimacy is enhanced by intellectual and, and emotional uh, intimacy. You see, the, the world has just really explored just eroticism. You know, hot bodies and this and that. And, and nobody stays together under that canopy. Because that's not, that, that's not a prescription for true intimacy. True intimacy does involve, in a marriage relationship, does involve sex. But it's not driven by sex. It's driven by the connectivity that you love someone. You have shared values. And you have studied things together. You have made uh, uh, contracts and agreements together. And emotionally, you're, you're nurturing to each other. Then everything's clicking, click, 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 click. And that's exactly what God wants to do in our life, not the sexual part of it, because he's a spirit. But he wants to get involved with our emotions. He wants to heal our body. He wants to stimulate us and, and, and educate us. And everything, he wants us to begin to be aware of who he is, not just about him, because he's intimately connected with us. And so think about a relationship. Would you really like a one-sided relationship? Kim, my dream for our marriage is that you would adore me and serve me slavishly and operate on minimum of uh, affirmation and investment. It's like, she's Sicilian. I'm going to die. Luigi's on the way. <laughs> no. Yet many times people come in, even as believers, we get our salvation badge, and then, then we, we, we aren't really knowing God. We're, we're seeing prayer as something, when I need something, I pray. Uh, church attendance, if, if, if I'm kind of like depressed or have no money, I'll go to church. It's a cheap show. Well, how many of you know that, that, that knowing God involves much more than kind of knowing about him? It's an interaction with him. Like a married couple, the relationship doesn't end at the wedding. It's just the beginning. Well, you're married now. I guess you can quit. Hope not. Now, let's talk a little bit about what messes humans up. Because in the beginning, with Adam and Eve, they didn't have to get saved until they had the fall. And then they had to come through the, the, the sacrifice system to have peace with God again. But man was created to walk with God and to know God. And so the Bible teaches that, that the Lord would meet with Adam and Eve in the, in the cool of the day and, and would speak with them and, and was training them. And all of a sudden they got a rival voice that they thought they'd listened to for a while. It was the devil. And then sin broke the relationship up. Now, what happens is the Apostle Paul, he was completely over in doing, you know, you need to do, don't do this, you know, uh, don't, don't uh, miss the sacrifice and, and, and pray and this and that and the other. And he was so into the doing of the law, he missed the lawgiver, God himself. 
Then now I find there's been a big pendulum swing in the New Testament church in, in our country where people are so given over to grace, they don't, they don't follow the holiness of God. Well, the Lord loves me just the way I am. If he did, then why is he trying to change you so much? He loves you the way you can be, which is to look exactly like him. Only he can do it without being a narcissist. Okay? And so we find that, 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 that there's this thing that, that sin is not any big deal to God. And the answer is sin is a big deal to God. Let's look at, at some, some, um, some scriptures right after I read this. Sin is more serious than we know. Sin separates us from God. It brings death into our lives. I have known people that got, in this life, they had called on the name of Jesus, they'd walk with Jesus, they get mad or discouraged or lazy, they go back in the world, and I've seen people run out of lifetime before they ever really, really serve the Lord. Well, Pastor Steve, did they go to hell? I don't know. I think that, that God may be a lot more gracious. I'm personally not excited if I was made to live for eternity, in eternity, and I'm the only guy that shows up to heaven with not one coin in my pocket. Well, I'm in heaven because of the grace, but where's the good fruit? Where's the material you sent up through obedience? And, 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 and you know, how many of you know that, that what we do in this, this life will affect how we are received in the next life. And there's going to be different glories. And so that's where many people are sacrificial in this life. They're going to have a great reward and others who are really selfish are not going to have much. And so, so when we sin, what we're doing is we're playing fast and loose with the relationship of God. Now, how ultimately the funk comes down on you, I don't know. But I know that there's one of the worst stories in the Bible to me is Lot, who his, his hypocrisy caused his offspring to be the Ammonites and the Moabites. And for generations, they've been lost people. But yet he was called righteous in the Bible. I don't want to be a righteous man who causes my children to not want to walk with God. And sin separates us. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 2. Now, uh, my favorite Baptist girl is Jan Schmelzla, right there. And good Baptist doctrine is that if you sin, you will feel the withdrawal of the Holy Spirit to convict you and bring you back in order, right? That's what I've heard from my Baptist friends. Does that pretty much state it? Okay. I, I totally believe that. How many of you have ever sinned as a Christian and, 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 and God didn't abandon you, but he withdrew from you? Like, have you ever said something really stupid to your wife? If she doesn't abandon you, be glad. But you'll find out she may not want to talk to you. Kim and I had a conflict one time, and then I didn't see her for two weeks, and then just barely in my left eye. And uh, <laughs> my wife's pointing at the, at, the, at the clock. It's time for me to move on. Okay. There was a time we were dead in our trespasses and sins. 
according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But the story doesn't end with how wretched we were. But it says that God was rich in mercy even while this was all going on. And when we were, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved and raised up with him and seated up us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We see a, a, a great collision of, of benefit that happens. And Jesus glorified the Father in his life and also in his crucifixion and resurrection. And, and we find life through that so that we begin to experience that e eternal uh, life quality of living. And so as, as I kind of come in to begin to bring this uh, message to a conclusion within a half hour, 45 minutes, um, no, just a few minutes. But we need to understand that God invites us on an adventure of a lifetime to know him and to walk in the eternal life, quality of life. That, that adventure doesn't start someday, but starts today as we experience his eternal life and his abundant life now. So in conclusion, do you know God or do you just know about God? As a church kid, okay, church parents, be on the alert. Your kids aren't saved because they're in church. They're being sanctified by your, your decision. Every one of your kids has to make an adult decision for Christ. And if it doesn't come replete with brokenness, I, I am a sinner. I'm helpless to save myself. Y your child's not born again. Your child's on a religious treadmill. Every person that's born of God will come and go, wow, I don't deserve it at all. Just like Paul did. I surrender. Amen. And so, so it's possible to have kids in our church that know about God, but they haven't experienced him and he hasn't become the Lord and they're, they're drinking deeply from the life. See, these guys get offended. They got to go now, you know. Um, <laughs> so we find that, that as we call on the Lord and we begin to know him, then we are nurtured by the Holy Spirit and we are walked into maturity uh, for the Lord. I want to uh, just speak about the, the next big steps for all of us. Um, I wanted to read Psalm 63, 1 through 8, but I took too much time in other stuff that I talked about. So put it in your notes, Psalm 63, 1 through 8, where David talks about earnestly seeking God when his, when, when his flesh was fainting for God, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Uh, I think every one of us that walk with God 
we'll never be satisfied with the things of the world. We'll always long for that sweet water of the living water that Jesus has for us. Some questions. Am I committed to a lifetime of knowing God? Have I called on the name of the Lord as he's drawn me? It must be a revelation like Saul had. Am I planted at Joy Church or another life-giving church? Am I faithfully attending? Am I serving? Am I giving? What are my next steps to know God better? One is true salvation. Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? I think we need more than just trying to get fire insurance. Lord, I don't want to go to hell, so I guess I need to believe in you. I'm not sure that's enough of a preventive. You must be born of God. Not just religious. You must be born of God. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Baptism. Have I been baptized? That's the first act of obedience. Repent and be baptized. The Bible. Am I reading God's word daily to know him more? That's my daily bread. Prayer. Do I have a daily relationship with God through prayer? Don't get condemned. Start and increase what you have. Maybe right now it's 30 seconds. Then take it up to a minute and a half. Take it up to five. But continue. That's my daily check-in. Fasting. Have I began a practice of fasting weekly or monthly to better know God? I call fasting extreme prayer. <laughs> have you ever noticed when you really want to call on God, you fast, it's like, okay, everything's intensified. Then serving. Am I currently serving others through the local church? Am I rising above selfishness? It's so easy to come into a congregation like this and go, hey, what can joy offer me? Well, I will tell you something. Joy is kind of like an exercise bicycle. It will only offer you as much as you're willing to exercise on it. If you come to take, you will get boring after a while. Everything that kind of attracted you will get old school and nah, no big deal. But if you invest in the other people around you and you say, I have giftings and callings and I want to make a difference. I want to find my purpose. I want to be free. And I'm also really helpful to help others know God and find freedom as well. Then it'll be a great church. So how can I help others to know God? Well, by serving. When I serve, I'm modeling and helping. The thing that you do is needful. But you're also training others while you do that. Secondly, in sharing. Am I looking for opportunities to share the gospel with others so that they can come to know God? I don't want to... I don't want to shut and nail the door to salvation. I want all my friends and family and co-workers and people, come on in. Water's fine. God's still accepting applicants for eternal life. Come and see. And then showing. Am I showing the love of Jesus to others so that they can come to know God? Let's all stand together if we could. How many of you say, I want to know God even, even better, you know? I hope that no one would say, I know him perfectly. Because I think we're going to continue even in heaven. We're going to see aspects of God still revealed to us. I love what I see so far. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next peak where I see more of God. 
it's all good. Week after week, people come in here knowing that their life is needing some help. They have a sense of desperation, maybe of impending doom. You're not crazy if you think there's impending doom because it's really true. The earth is full of troubles and the Bible tells us that there's going to be a coming and a judgment and you need to be right with God so that you will be found in him when he comes. So if you have a sense of troubling, then I think that's a good, good place to start and say, hey, I need to find my peace in God. Or maybe it's just longing. You just want to know Father God. And as, as I've been preaching and as we've been worshiping, you know, your heart's stirred up and you go, yeah, I want God. Well, I'd like us all to bow our head and close our eyes for a moment. And I'd like everyone that came into this place looking for life. If you're here and say, I want to join God. I want to be a believer and I want to be received by God as his child. Raise your hand right now. We want to, you know, different individuals every week. If you're here and you have not, I see a hand in the back. You're here and you say, I want to know God. I want to be a believer. Any other hands? Just put it up very quickly. And, and hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray this prayer. And just pray it with me and believe in your heart. And I believe if you'll call on God's name, he's going to save you. And then he wants to walk with you so that you can know him and not just know about him. Lord, want to pray with me, everybody? Dear Lord, I thank you that you know me very intimately and that you have come after me to draw me with loving kindness and tender mercies. I'm willing, Lord. I'm here to surrender and say I cannot save myself. Only you can save me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He raised from the dead after having paid for my sins. And I put my faith in Jesus. Dear Father, if you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my, my, my uh, father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.